1 Samuel chapter number 18. We've been looking at the life of David, and uh, we talked about David and Perez, and we talked about David and Goliath. And uh, this morning, for a little while, I want to talk to you and preach to you about David and Jonathan, and think about them a little while in this passage. The Bible tells us in verse chapter 18 and verse 1, and it came to pass, now remember, that David has just defeated Goliath, and uh, now we're just passing that battle. They have, they're coming back or will come back uh, in a moment in this passage. It's just following this great victory. And it came to pass when he made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul, by the way, that little phrase, behaved himself wisely, you'll find it. Uh, in reference to David about five times in this, in this account or along the way in David's life. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And when the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it, and David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, and he was departed from Saul. Now, I read about David and Jonathan. We'll come back to that. I just wanted you to be reminded of what's going to take place when Saul hears the women sing and talk about David and his ten thousands. He begins to eye David. He envies David. He's very jealous of David. And then he tries to kill David. And uh, that evil spirit, that the same David that had helped him with that evil spirit, now Saul has rejected that help and things are getting worse. And he wants David dead. And he will set out on a vendetta to destroy David because he feels like David is a threat to him. But all along the way, Jonathan remembers this love that he has had for David. Now, when we come to chapter 23, I want to read two verses, 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 17. David is out in the wood, verse 16. Let's read verse 16 also. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul all my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. And they two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went 
to his house. Now let's pray a moment. Father, we love you today. We thank you for loving us first. Lord, we're glad for what we've already felt today, what our ears have heard. Lord, our spirits have been refreshed by the preaching on Calvary. And then, Lord, the good singing of the songs of Zion and the fellowship of believers. And, Lord, it's just been good again today to be in the house of the Lord, to be assembled together with the saints of God. And, Lord, I pray now that you'll help us in the next few moments. Lord, I pray you'd help me physically. I pray you'd help me mentally. I pray you'd help me spiritually. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be lifted up and glorified. And we'll thank you for what you do. And we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit, preach to you a little bit about David and Jonathan. Everybody loves Jonathan, and I do too. I'm I am always uh, 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 excited when I read about Jonathan. I'm always impressed by Jonathan. Jonathan is a young man who is easy to admire. There are a lot of wonderful things about this young man. He is a courageous young man. We'll look at that in a moment. He is a generous young man. We read about that in our text. And he is a loyal young man. He remains loyal to David throughout all of this business with with, uh, Jonathan's father, Saul. All of the the hounding and all of the oppression and all of the hunting down. He remains remains loyal to David, the one who had really, for all practical purposes, saved his life when he slew Goliath. So he's generous, he's courageous, and he's loyal. That's what you'd want out of a young man, isn't it? Those are good qualities. And I thought about Jonathan. There's been a great deal of preaching about on the subject of friendship concerning Jonathan and David, what friends they were, what great friends they were. And you get an inkling of what great friends they were after, and this happens so often, after Jonathan has died, what how David acts toward him and what he speaks about him. When you go to 2 Samuel in chapter number 1 and he finds out about the death of Jonathan, here's what he says in verse 26. He said, I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. And so in that passage, David tells us how highly he regarded Jonathan. He said, I'm distressed. He lamented over him. And then David not only regarded him highly, but he referred to him carefully. It's interesting, the words that David will use for Jonathan. He'll say in 2 Samuel 1, 19, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Let not the daughters, uh, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. What did he call Jonathan? He called him the beauty of Israel slain upon thy high places. But not only did he regard him highly and referred to him carefully, but he even remembered him actively. Even after Jonathan was gone, we find David in 2 Samuel 9, and David says this. He says, is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He will never forget Jonathan. Even after Jonathan is gone, he wants to do something uh, in remembrance of his friend Jonathan. So there's a lot of wonderful things about this man, Jonathan. He's easy to love. He is easy to be respected. And we have good thoughts when we think about him. I want to say three things about him for a moment because there is a question in my mind, and I'll tell you the question in a little while. There has always been, when I read the story of Jonathan and David, there has always been a question in my mind that I've had difficulty reconciling. And I want to deal with it, and I'll give it to 
you. I'll, I'll explain it to you here. I hope I can in a moment before I'm done. But I want to say three things about Jonathan. First of all, I want to say to you that he is a young man of faith. He is a young man of faith. We find that Jonathan is a man of faith. He is a man who trusts God and believes God. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, go with me back a moment in, in uh, Jonathan's life to 1 Samuel chapter number 14. I love this passage of scripture. If I can find it, get my Bible turned over there. 1 Samuel chapter number 14, we find that Jonathan is going to get involved in a battle. The rest of Israel is somewhat stagnant in this warfare at this particular time, but Jonathan is interesting what he does in the battle. In second, uh, or 1 Samuel 14, starting in verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee, according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stay still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands, upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And, uh, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, an half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. So here we find a young man, the rest of Israel. It's almost like we're going to find in 1 Samuel 17 when everybody else is slowed down and everybody else is afraid of the enemy. Israel has slowed down their, their attack and Saul has hindered their attack with some very unwise things. But Jonathan is full of faith. Jonathan said, you know what? There's a garrison up there, but I'm going to tell you there's only two of us and I'm sure there's more of them. But I know something about God. I know that God and us is enough to take care of what's ever up there if God would be pleased to help us. What is he? He's a man of faith. He's a man of faith. He didn't need a large place to have victory. It's only a half acre. It's just a small place. He didn't need a full place to have victory. There were only two of them. There wasn't a whole army. He didn't need an easy place to have victory. He had to climb up the hill before he could start the fight. I used to say this. Sometimes you have to fight just to get in the fight. But he's willing to fight even if he has to fight to get there. So I'm saying to you, he's a young man full of faith and I admire the faith of this young man. He does not consider that the enemy is too much. He doesn't consider that the place is too hard. All he considers is I've got a big God and if he'll get in on it, we'll whoop them fellas up there. That's what he thinks. Why? He's a man of faith and I'm glad for his faith. We find that this man is a young man of faith. And then we find something else about Jonathan. He's not only a young man of faith, but he's a young man of fervor. And here's what I mean by that. He's intense in his emotions and in his actions. I'll tell you how intense he is. We find him, first of all, showing that intensity and that fervor in a public place. In 1 Samuel 18, we read it in our text, verse 3. 
Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Now watch this. I don't read where they did this in a private place. I don't read where they did this. It just seems to me in the flow of the conversation and the flow of the Scripture that this is right after the battle. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul takes him home. So it's somewhere around Saul's house, maybe even before Saul. I don't know, but here's what it said. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, gave it to David in his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. I get the idea that Jonathan is a fellow who is, is generous in his giving, but he is, he is fervent in his caring. And so when he gets before David, he's not ashamed to show some emotion about this, and he begins to give David everything he has. And you know what he, he sort of reminds me of? He reminds me of the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians when Paul begins to recount all the things that he had and all the things that he was, and he said, I count them as dung that I may know Christ. He said, not a one of them means anything to me. I, I want to just know more about Christ. And it's though uh, this young man, Jonathan, is saying to those around him, uh, what means something to me is that I know David and that David is my friend and I want you to know that I love him. His fervor is evident in a public place. And then his fervor is evident in private places because three times in the Bible we will read that David and Jonathan made a covenant. In 1 Samuel 18, 3, then Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. In 1 Samuel 20 and 16, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. In 1 Samuel 23 and 18, and they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Continually he's making a promise to David that I will support you, a covenant with him. And then he makes that covenant in a personal place or shows that fervor. In 1 Samuel 19, turn over there with me a moment. Jonathan is talking to his father now. And Saul has already tried to kill David. Saul has already announced to his servants, I want David dead. Saul has already told Jonathan, I want him dead. Saul has already tried to kill David with the sword of the Moabites. He's given him his own daughter, not because he wants her to be happy, but because he wants her, he said, she may be a snare unto him. And so here's all the mess that's gone on. And Saul and Jonathan are in the palace. Chapter 19, watch verse 4. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul, his father. Now you think about that. Saul wants David dead. Saul has done everything he can to get David dead even gone to the extent of trying to use his own daughter to get him killed. And now here, Jonathan is before Saul. And Jonathan says, the Bible said he spake good of David unto his Saul, his father, and said, him, let, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, because his works have been to thee very good word, or very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and did rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood and to slay David without a cause? And I'll tell you how fervent he was. Verse 6 says, And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swear as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. Now apparently the Lord didn't live very long because he didn't keep that promise. But here is a young man, a young man who is fervent 
He is fervently loving David as a friend. So we've got this young man, and he's a man of faith, and he's a man of fervor. But I've got this problem in my mind. Because you know where we're going to find Jonathan at the end of his story? We're going to find him hanging on a wall, dead, beside his father. And I'm thinking to myself, how does a young man of such faith, how does a young man of such fervor, how does he end up hanging on a wall dead? How does that happen? Well, here's my last point. He's a young man with a fault. There's a problem with our our dear friend Jonathan. There's a problem with him. Say, preacher, what is the problem? Well, we read it in our text verse. It was at least implied. Verses 16 and 17 of 1 Samuel 23. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Now watch what happens in these next two verses. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel. And I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. You say, preacher, what's wrong with Jonathan? Why is it that Jonathan ends up where he ends up? Here's why he ended up there. Because Jonathan could never give up the palace. Jonathan could never give up the position. Jonathan knows he has learned through all of this that's happened. He knows that his father will be displaced and replaced. He knows that David will be king. He says so in the passage. But he doesn't say now, "Uh, David, you're going to be king. God's going to make you king. I know that. My father knows that. And David, if you just give me the privilege, I'll serve you anywhere. I'll do whatever you want want me to do. I'll be whatever kind, do whatever kind of service you have for me. I will take whatever office. That's not what he says. He says, you'll be king, and I'll be next to you. He's already decided where he's going to be in the palace. And then when it's over, when his statement is over, the Bible says this, and to me it is so very telling. David abode in the wood. Jonathan went back to the house. Do you know what Jonathan has been doing all of this time? Jonathan has been trying to reconcile the old and the new. Jonathan has been trying to get Saul and David to get along. We read about it when he was in the house. He said to his father, Saul, he said he hadn't done any evil. He saved your life. He put his own life at risk. Why would you do evil to him? Let's not do any evil to him. He's trying to get the two together. You know what he's trying to do? In the New Testament, he put like this. He's trying to put new wine in old wineskins. He's saying, you know what? We don't need an absolutely new direction. We can mix up the new direction and the old direction. That is not what God has in mind God was going to move that old uh, let that old uh, regime out and put the new man the man that was God's choice David a lion of the tribe of Judah he's going to move him in but 
but as wonderful a man as Jonathan is, he cannot let go of that palace and that position. You know who Jonathan is? He is the rich young ruler of the Old Testament. That rich young ruler that came to Jesus said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, do this, do this. And he said, I've done all that. We could look at John and say, look at all that he's done. But then Jesus said one more thing. You lack one thing. Go sell all you have. Give to the poor. Come follow me. And he went away. He went away sad. And Jesus was sad for him. And you know what's happened with Jonathan? He's not willing to sell all he has and give it to the poor and come and follow David. He's not willing to live in the woods. He loves David. He's willing to make a covenant with David, but he's not willing to live in the woods. He's not willing to suffer the persecution. He wants that palace place. He's already got his place picked out. It's not with, 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 with Jonathan, it's not this one thing I do. It's this one thing I will not do. He is the rich young ruler of the New Testament. He's the, he's the Barnabas of the Old Testament. You remember what happened to Barnabas? Barnabas, a great man. Barnabas did wonderful things. We, we admire Barnabas, but one day there came a day when Barnabas and Saul had a disagreement over John Mark. And Saul, John, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Saul said, no, we can't take him. He went back from us, and there was such a contention, the Bible said, there arose such a contention that Paul took Silas and went one way, and Barnabas took John Mark and went the other way. And you know what? We hear about John Mark again, but we never hear about Barnabas again. Jonathan is the Demas of the Old Testament. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know what's wrong with Jonathan? Jonathan is not willing to go outside the camp bearing his reproach. Jonathan is too used to the life in the palace. Jonathan is too used to being looked up to. Jonathan is too used to being somebody, and he wants to continue to be somebody. He wants to stay in the palace. He wants to live like he's always lived and still be connected with David. I wonder how many of us have missed what God wanted to do with us because we wouldn't let go of that one thing. That one thing. I want to be next to you. He's not talking about being next in line. I don't believe that. But he's talking about having a place. He's got it picked out already. How can God use us? How can God use us? How could God use me? How could God take my hand and lead me when my other hand's holding on to my old life? My other hand's holding on to old things. My other hand's got a hold of things that I don't want to give up and I don't want to say no to. It should be all the things, the times that Jonathan has expressed his love toward David and all the times he tells, I know it's the will of God for you to be king. It looked like Jonathan would say, you know what? As much as I love you and as much as I know you're the choice of Jehovah God, I don't care what I get. I don't care what I have to leave behind. I want to be in the will of God. I'll say goodbye to whatever it is. I'll just leave it all behind as long as I can be with you in the will of God. That's what Jonathan should have said and he didn't say it and he ended up hanging dead on a wall beside the father that he wouldn't leave. 
I wonder what it is. I wonder what that one thing is in your life. You're holding on to it. You're holding on to it for dear life. You don't think you can live without it. Well, I want to remind you, David ended up sitting on the throne and Jonathan ended up hanging dead on the wall. And that one thing you're holding on to, you better let go. You better move out of that city and move in the woods with Jesus. That's what you better do. You better leave that behind. David is going to be king. Are you listening now? He is going to be king. It may not look like it right now. It may not feel like it right now. It may not even seem possible right now. But David is going to be king. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to sit down on the throne of David. King of kings and Lord of lords. You say as bad as it looks. Yep, as bad as it looks. That's what's going to happen. Let's leave behind whatever we're hanging on to. Whatever we're holding on to. Whatever's keeping us back. Let's leave it behind. Let's go outside the camp bearing his reproach. Let's line up in the woods behind the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's side up with him no matter what, no matter when, no matter how. Let's line up with Jesus. Let's leave all that stuff that we think we can't do without. And let's just have Jesus. It was always a mystery to me. How come Jonathan ended up dead? As fine as a man he was, as admirable as a man he was. But I think the mystery's been solved. He could have been next to David if he'd have just stayed in the wood and not gone back to the city. You know, I believe God has better things planned for me than I can plan for myself. If I just say, I don't need that anymore, I'm going to let go. I'm going to leave it behind me. I'm going to forget those things which are behind and press on. I'm going to go forward. Jonathan ended up hanging on a wall because he tried to save his life. Save the life that he knew. And Jesus tells in the New Testament, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever loseth his life for my sake and the gospels shall find it. What is that one thing that you won't turn loose of? What is it? I could go through a whole list, but I'd miss yours. But you know, what is that one thing?